it really feels like a whole new world that we're living in right now, doesn't it? I mean, some of this stuff just is bizarre. I feel like, well, do I go out of my house to do that? Do I make that trip in the town? I don't know if that's considered essential. Of course, a lot of questions about the farming world. What's happening with farming? A lot of cases, farming, as we've been talking about in the in recent weeks here on the program, is kind of continuing on the way it has. I mean, it's it's an essential workforce. Like we talked about last week with uh, the Dairy Federation, Dan Wood on the program here, talking about you know writing letters for workers so they can get to work and and they have some proof that uh, you know if they were to get questioned on why they're going where they're going, if they're essential, that yes, indeed they are. Here's the letter signed by their employer. Welcome back. This is the Farming Show, by the way, here on KGMI News Talk 790. Dylan Honkoop with you here on your Saturday morning. Uh, wow. And I say that at the beginning, it's like a different world. It's totally, a couple months ago, I would have never thought we were even talking about some of the things that we're talking about behind the scenes and on the air here. Some of the stories that are coming up, some of the conversations that we're having right now about food security, for instance, and farming and its importance, uh, growing food here in our community, in our state, rather than importing it from elsewhere, which in some cases, from what I'm hearing, isn't even possible right now. Some, I just talked with somebody who said, you yeah, know, certain countries aren't uh, shipping food to us suddenly anymore. That you know, countries that had been a part of our supply chain for a long time. What could this all mean? Joining us from east of the Cascades this morning is Glenn Vaughan with the Washington Ag Network. Glenn, what, I'm assuming over on the east side, you guys are feeling kind of weird and out of it too. I, I, what are farmers saying over there? You know, it's really interesting, Dylan, and thanks for, uh, for uh, letting me join this morning. It's really kind of uh, a tale almost of two cities where I, I think from the day-to-day operation, a lot of farmers really don't feel that COVID-19 and the coronavirus is part of their everyday life. Just because you live out in such expanses, your nearest neighbor might be 10, 12, 15 miles away. So you don't have to worry about that six-foot parameter because there's there's not a neighbor for a long long distance but uh they do feel it in other ways residual ways you and i were talking uh, before we went on air uh first and foremost the washington state department of agriculture this past week decided to close their offices services are still available they'll come out and do animal inspections but you got to work with them and schedule with them and, and that's going to be under a uh, pretty tight lock and key and we've seen a host of closures and delays uh obviously wsu washington state university uh postponing classes going online which is going to change things up the state farm bureau had their leadership conference which was scheduled for the uh, Chelan area uh, early next month. That has been canceled. And for me, really, the big surprising one is the Washington FFA convention, which is mainstay for early May in Pullman on the Wazoo campus. They have postponed that. Now, last I heard, there's been no official reschedule time. They were looking at early August, but... I mean, that is, that's going to be a big shot to those kids. A lot of great kids, obviously, coming from northwest Washington, going over to the Palouse. So I think really just kind of the uh, herky-jerkiness, you would say, of everyday life is really the biggest way it's impacting Washington Ag right now. Yeah, it's kind of like, what's next? Um, mm-hmm. What what 
is there another shoe that's going to drop here that we haven't thought of yet that's going to change the game all over again? And, yeah. and with certain things changing, well, how long do we plan on this being our reality? And when do things get back to normal? In some cases, when ever will they get back? Maybe they won't go back to old normal. Maybe this mm -hmm. we, we're finding some new normal, especially like with markets and sourcing um, different crops and commodities. What are you hearing in terms of market conditions for folks? I, I, we've been talking now for a couple of weeks on the show where this could be a win or a loss uh, for different markets kind of based on what happens. You know, I, I, I've heard good things for some industry, like the potato industry is feeling pretty good. Uh, also, uh, red meat is doing very well, and that's primarily because of uh, the initiation of phase one. They've uh, actually seen their tariffs going down in China, so uh, they haven't had any problems. Uh, but I think where you're going to actually see this really impacting farms across Washington are going to be the smaller mom-and-pop operations that maybe work with the local school. They work with the local farmer's market or they work with something on a smaller scale so they might not be barging their commodity down the river to seattle or to portland to go to the uh, ends of the world but they work with people just a couple miles down the road and those are the ones that i'm hearing are feeling the most impact i mean even a lot of our far, uh, farmers markets are looking at what does this new world look like come this spring because even if you have things lifted and we're supposed to return to normal I think it's going to be safe to say there's going to be people who are a little hesitant to go out there and try to return to normal just because they're going to have COVID-19 in the back of their mind. Glenn Vaughan with us right now, uh, joining us from the east side of the mountains. He's a program director with the Washington Ag Network. Uh, Glenn, I've been hearing stuff in terms of market conditions that I didn't expect even just a week ago um, with some of the specialty crop folks out here on this side of the hills. Um, you know, berries, for instance, are really big here in Wycombe County. Apparently they're selling like crazy. Um, and the, a lot of this connected to that, you know, run on grocery stores that we saw over the past few weeks, which I think from what I'm hearing, at least anecdotally has kind of died down maybe on some of those bigger order things, you know, like wheat or something like that. A run on grocery stores doesn't immediately hit them through the supply chain. Um, but I can see where, you know, I've also heard from some folks in the tree fruit industry that they've been uh, happy to see quite a bit of product moving lately. But again, trying to make decisions based on what people just did for panic buying in a few weeks' time it kind of makes it hard to know what to plan for this coming season and what the market's going, going to do. Anybody having kind of a sense of, you know, uh, big opportunities here or a, a mindset to go with uh, of how to process all this, all these changes? No, you know, it, it's, it's at this point just such a wait and see game. And it's really too bad for a lot of our, our, our local industries. You mentioned the tree fruits and the berries. Uh, having that uh, updated NAFTA um, USMCA on the books, a lot of people were very excited about what that could mean. Also for the wine industry, getting into British Columbia and making sure that the product could move back and forth. Now you have that trade agreement in place, but the question is what sort of travel is going to be taking place back and forth. And, and Dylan, I think we should also note that uh, our friends to the north up in Canada have been hit really hard. Uh, just this past week, uh, Justin Trudeau announced that 
billions of dollars will be made for available for Canadian farmers. So it's mm. not just American farmers that are going to be seeing some relief from the CARES uh, Act, which was approved by uh, Congress yesterday. Uh, it's going to be Canadian farmers, American farmers. And, and the question is, how long is it going to take for us to rebound and for those markets to come back? Because if you sit back and lick your wounds too long, then those markets could be looking at other places. And as we've seen with this trade war that just wrapped up, uh, there are there's a lot of competition out there, even for more specialty products. Whether yeah. that is apples, uh, whether that is potatoes, whether that is berries or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So you do have to find that healthy balance of telling people, yes, this did impact us. It is hurting us, but at the same time, you want to let them know we're still open for business and we can still get you the products you need. My initial assumption when I saw the panic buying starting to happen was I thought, well, this is going to be a good moment for the staples, the milk, the bread, you know, that kind of stuff, Uh, but maybe not so good for more of the specialty stuff, the items that maybe don't end up in the cart as quickly, maybe more of a luxury item. So I I was pleased to hear that I was wrong on that, at least, you know, again, here in Whatcom County and even my family background, my dad's a red raspberry grower, hearing that some stocks of those uh, are are moving. It's interesting, though, a lot of people ask me, oh, how are prices doing? How's your dad doing? How are things going on the farm? You know, they ask this at all different times of the year, and it's it can be hard to give an answer, and it's hard to get an answer sometimes from farmers because they have to be very careful about perception now in these markets, mm-hmm. and I think that's really going to be amplified by this situation with things changing. People are going to be asking questions. The buyers behind the the big companies that are buying, you know, different amounts of raspberries or... <laughs> you know, potatoes or blueberries or milk or whatever are asking questions too, wondering if they're going to be able to get the product. And that, that can really cut both ways. If there's a perception of either too much or not enough in the market, which, you know, believe it or not, you would think a scarcity should help farmers, but in the case of specialty products can cause a company to say, Hey, no, no, we're not sure if there's going to be a stable supply of that. We're going to move elsewhere and, you know, reformulate our recipes to go in a, in a different direction. I don't know if you experience that trying to cover farming markets and even talking with farmers about it. Sometimes there can be a reticence of saying, I'm not really sure, you know, what I should or shouldn't say, because I don't want to give the wrong perception to the people, you know, making decisions on buying my product. Absolutely. You're right. I mean, we were looking earlier this week back in the Midwest how egg prices and dairy prices had gone up quite a bit because of those runs on the grocery store. People thinking, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get my next dozen. I'm not sure when I'm going to get my next gallon of milk. But then you do have those products that a lot of consumers might not think as a necessity like your your pears and your apples and your berries and things like that. And it really is, it's almost a poker game where you want to say, okay, I don't want to tell them too much because I don't want them to be shopping around. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I can't make it, you know, yeah. I can't make it sound like nothing's changed. That's the truth. And, and I think a lot of those things, which I, again, wrongly predicted wouldn't do very well, I think they, they've probably just benefited. And again, this is just my own gut, which again has been proven to be wrong, but may have benefited from the halo effect of so many more people in the store just grabbing lots of stuff. And maybe they were there to get their milk and eggs and bread. But while they were there, also picked up the, the, you know, the specialty items um, to stock up 
in their mad dash to get in and out of the store and not pick up the coronavirus as everybody's worried about doing and socially distancing, you know, I think there's just been so much more product that's been consumed. And then, yeah, what happens? Does that all go away now? I think it's calmed down. Is it still happening? I don't know. I guess I haven't been to the grocery store yet today, uh, but I could go see, you know, I'm going to have to make a grocery run again here soon. What What's happening with the panic buying? Uh, I th When the governor, when when uh, Jay Inslee early this week announced that stay-at-home order, I thought, well, maybe there's going to be another you know run of panic buying. But at least in local stores, we didn't see that as we had seen the week or two before. Um, and then you know, will that halo effect continue to help as people you know they're cooking a lot more from home, so they're going to be getting different things than say the restaurants that they used to frequent might buy. It's just it's crazy all the things that uh, get thrown up in the air again. Talk Talking with Glenn Vaughan uh, with the Washington Ag Network. He's their program director. Another issue with, with uh, the COVID concerns has been labor and the avail availability of labor from other countries, the H-2A guest worker program. There were new restrictions announced on that. Is there much talk over there yet of, of the magnitude of impact that will have? You know, there are a lot of people who are, who are concerned after the State Department announced that they were going to suspend the H-2A program in Mexico, and obviously they're going to suspend it in other locations um, because of the fear that there was not going to be a lot of labor. Because, as you know, Dylan, a lot of people think uh, immigrant labor, they think at harvest time when the apples need to be picked, when the potatoes need to be moved into the shed and things like that. But there's a lot of, I guess you could say, preseason work that yeah. needs to be done. And that's where the... Um, H-2A system is so important for a lot of growers across uh, central and eastern Washington. So uh, producers were really happy to find out that uh, the Secretary of State's kind of backed off on that. Pompeo saying, hey, we're going to work with the ag community as best we can to make sure that we're not only protecting the U.S. from COVID-19, but also making sure that the ag community has that labor force that they need. I mean, when you have... Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue, President Trump, and a host of others saying that agriculture and farming is a critical infrastructure for the United States. Those seem like some pretty good allies who can help make things possible for farmers, uh, even up here in the Northwest. Overall, aside from the COVID-19 concerns, how are things going over on the east side? I know we've gotten a ton of rain and we have good snowpack. How are you guys looking for water? I heard that uh, water just hit the canals uh, recently over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. We're getting geared up for another irrigation season up here. Uh, the Rosa Irrigation District, which serves the Yakima Valley, they've had water in there for about a week. Uh, the Columbia Basin Irrigation, Quincy Irrigation, they're all getting their water out there. So, uh, But, you know, if you guys could get to it, we would love to see some of that rain make it over the mountains. <laughs> we actually, we're dealing right now with some drought conditions stretching mm -hmm. across central Washington, all the way up from Okanagan County on the uh, Canadian line down to the Columbia River. And it's pretty darn early for, you know, us to be talking about dry soil conditions. So hopefully we'll start to see things change as we move into April. Even, I don't know, even with the snowpack the way it is, are there concerns? How, how much help will that be? Because I'm seeing that snowpack levels are at or above normal uh, almost in all locations that they're reporting for now. Does that help take some of the blow uh, out of uh, less rainfall over the wintertime? 
You know, it really matters what you grow and where you are. Um, you know, if you're a dryland grower, if you're growing weed, you're growing barley, you're just kind of at Mother Nature's mercy. But, you, yeah. but you're right, Dylan. I mean, our snowpacks are looking pretty good. So uh, I, I think, you know, cherries is going to be pretty much the first commodity we're going to be talking about here uh, come June and, and early July. I, I think that, you know, what they have looks okay. We could use a little more water, but their higher elevation helps them out. Uh, when we get to potatoes and when we get to the tree fruits, I, I think we're going to be okay. But when we talk about the drylands, that's where we're a little on the concern just because, again, it is late March and we're already talking about dry soil conditions. We have so much water over here. <laughs> and, and we've been, our, our reservoirs, which is uh, for the most part, our groundwater supply, our aquifers have been topped up for months now. Ah, it, it, it's crazy when you think about how, how that works and, and how many of these rain clouds just don't quite make it over the, over the peaks and on over to you guys. What does it take to, to make that happen? What are the forecasters saying? Why is this going on? Is it, are they saying, are they blaming it on climate change or is there some kind of bad pattern going on? What, what pushes it? What, what I've heard from the National Weather Service is we're just in a pattern right now where uh, storms just don't have quite enough oomph to get over the Cascades, and they're dumping a lot of their water over there. And then anything that does come in is actually coming a little more from the east for us, which usually ushers in cold, uh, cold temperatures. And actually, this week we had a lot of locations, Yakima, Wenatchee, big tree fruit areas that were dealing with temperatures in the upper 20s, which, if you know anything about cherries and, and apples, is not good for this time of year. I haven't heard of any damage because we're still pretty early on in the season. But, you know, I think what we need to do, Dylan, is we need to figure out who can trade our weather for a little while. We'll take your <laughs> rain and clouds, yeah. and you can take some of our sunshine and cooler weather. How's that sound? <laughs> Just kind of even everything out. Exactly. Well, Glenn, we'll get working on uh, how we can ship some some water over your way one way or the other. It'd be easiest in the cloud form uh, mm -hmm. if we can you know kick some of those those clouds over the hills for you. We'll we'll see what we can do. Again, Glenn Vaughan with the Washington Ag Network over in Tri Cities checking in with us this morning. We appreciate the update.